Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the State News Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Metry, and here with me today is the football beat reporter, Suichi Tirada, and we are going to break down the MSU football team's game against Notre Dame this Saturday. Suichi, right off the bat, first impressions, go. Uh, first impressions, I think this isn't the same Notre Dame team as last year. I mean, they went 4-8, and eight, only one better than MSU, who was 3-9, of course. Um, but... You know, they've gone through a cultural shift in the sense that Notre Dame brought in a new DC. I believe he's from Wake Forest. They have a new strength, strength and conditioning coach, um, a new program, I believe it's called. Uh, there's been a lot of kind of like a lot of talk about that among the fans. I mean, when I'm doing kind of research on these teams, they're always talking about, oh, how is this new strength and conditioning program going to affect these players? How's the new defensive scheme is going to work? So it's, it's kind of different. Um, I know Brian Kelly kind of on the hot seat over there, especially with the blue blood in Notre Dame. But I think he's done kind of, so, thus far at least, a good job in the sense that I mean, look, this Notre Dame team did a, did play a good game against Georgia. It was a 20-19 to 19 loss, yes, but it's by one point. Um, I, what I found interesting was there were so many Georgia fans just because Notre Dame fans kept selling their tickets for that, and it was basically a home game for Georgia, or at least 50-50. Um, just kind of a sidebar, I guess. But this Notre Dame team uh, should be good this year. I mean, it's, I know it's far too early to tell. Last year, we kinda, we, everyone kind of said the same thing. We kind of said the same thing as media. Um, Hey, uh, MSU beat Notre Dame, so let's rank them the number eight team in the nation according to the AP poll. So, but I think they should be good this year. I'm very interested to see how MSU plays against them, especially just because we'll see how they match up against such a young, um, how MSU is such a young team, and how they match up in a primetime game against Notre Dame, which I talked about a little bit last week as well. So, it should be a good game. Pretty excited for it. How do you think they're going to match up? Is there any couple matchups you're looking for specifically in the game? Um. Mostly just matchups, kind of talking holistically, especially when MSU is on the defensive side of the ball. The the position uh, battles, I guess, between um, Notre Dame's rushing running attack versus MSU's defense is going to be very interesting. Like kind of like the main point because Wimbush, um, he he's not a very good passer. Let's let's be honest here. He was 11 for 24, 96 yards, threw a pick against Boston College last week um, on the road. Um, he doesn't throw the ball well, but he also rushed 21 times for 207 yards. And that's not including their actual running back, Josh Adams, who had 229 yards on 18 carries. So both of them rushed for over 200 yards, which is kind of insane to think about. I mean, as a team, they have 515 rushing yards. So just kind of like, uh, we'll see how MSU does against them, especially just because Notre Dame does have that offensive line. I know when I was kind of doing a little bit of research, a lot of fans were kind of intrigued to see how this talented offensive line would kind of bounce back, especially from 4-8, not just that, but also how they would be, how they would uh, progress kind of be um, a year after with the new strength and conditioning coach uh, program, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think MSU has shown some things against a rushing attack. I mean, Western Michigan had that three-headed running monster, um, but you know Michigan State did a very good job about just kind of limiting that, making sure um, they didn't really get too many yards, they didn't get too much offense going. I think it'll be interesting too, just because MSU for the third straight week is not going against a quarterback whose strength at throwing the ball. I mean, Wasing was not a good thrower, neither was James Morgan. That was seen throughout uh, you know, the games MSU played in. So we'll see how MSU game plans, of course. I think it won't change too much, of course, especially with a more uh, potent rush, rushing attacks, but we'll see how that goes. MSU tends to struggle with sort of run quarterback. Do they not, or am I making that up? Um, I feel like yes and no. Obviously, um, Bowling Green and Western are going to be not the best examples just yeah. because the quality of quarterback is going to be lower. But if you get a guy who's actually a run-first quarterback, yeah. I think that I remember them having not, not being real great at trapping that. Yeah, and I, fe- I feel like a lot of the times, just like an, a simple option like really does disrupt that, especially with 
a running back like Josh Adams, I mean, you can go just so many ways. Especially just because, I mean, Mark D'Antonio said it best yesterday. Uh, he complimented Wimbush in the sense that he's a playmaker and that he can create things. You And he really complimented him on the idea that you have to be able to do at least one thing well, especially in the college game. I mean, you might not be able to be a run-first quarterback in the NFL, but you certainly can be in, a, in college football. So I think just the fact that Wimbush himself, I believe he's eligibility, he's a freshman sophomore. I know Notre Dame calls him a junior, which is a which is kind of its own little bag of worms, I guess. But he is a playmaker. He's very explosive. He's very quick. I think that'll. I think MSU will really struggle with that, just because um, they have so in the past, I believe. So we'll see how they kind of respond there too in terms of game planning and all that kind of stuff. Is this the week that MSU lets up their first defensive touchdown? You think? Uh yes. I, I'd be very pretty, surprised. pretty safe bet. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if Notre Dame doesn't score a touchdown. Even um, I was actually talking to uh. The observer of Notre Dame's uh, student newspaper as well. They were kind of telling me, um, sports editor there. She was telling me, uh, you know, the offense is going through a transition. But I mean, I, if they, if MSU doesn't let up a defensive touchdown, I will be very surprised. Just because, I, then again, that, I mean, who knows? That I guess the defense is making that big of a stride with such young players. I mean, Josiah Scott is obviously rated one of the best freshmen freshman in the nation so we'll see how that goes as well yeah there's definitely a lot of potential at MSU defense but then it's all help it's help but you got anchors like Freya in that middle of that middle linebacker yeah. position I mean look at the end of the day the strength of this Michigan State defense is on the linebackers I mean when you have a Dow when you have a Baki when you have a Fry and you got guys like Shane Jones backing them up I mean they're all very talented guy I mean Antoine Simmons he's one true freshman who's already seen the field he had a couple unassisted tackles against Bowling Green week one that that's a talented core and how they play really I mean then, I mean, the name of the position says it themselves. Uh, they're the linebackers. They really, if the defensive line who has realistically been playing well can't get that much pressure against this great offensive line, then MSU's game planning of just kind of stopping that run, stopping that Wimbush Adams uh, duo, and Co. Honestly, will be very huge in just kind of limiting everything they do. Switching sides, the offensive side of the ball. Um, it's fumbling. Not everyone's favorite question, but I gotta <laughs> ask it. Are they going to, do you think that that, that problem is going to go away? I know Notre Dame is going to have bigger guys, more talented yeah. guys than obviously than Western and Bowling Green. I mean, that fumbling thing might rear its head again. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like fumbling is one of those things that's always in the kind of the back of your mind. I mean, it's kind of the worst case scenario, especially, I mean, the opening drive of the season, I'll just got fumble on the one yard line. Like, that's brutal. But at the end of the day, I think a lot, the, the vibe I get from the team whenever they're asked about the fumbling thing, especially last week, um, we, the media didn't really ask that this week, but the vibe that I've gotten kind of received from D'Antonio and Co. so far and off his players, his staff, all that kind of stuff, it's just that, yes, it is kind of a concern, but they're not going to like necessarily tone, zone in on it as much as fans might want to hope for, just because it is, I mean, if you look at it, like, Bradley Ricky's from was kind of weird in that he kind of set the ball down, and then Hunter Ryzen, I mean, he was a true freshman playing, Darius Phillips just made a great play there. Yes, it is, it is a concern, and I think, especially with, like, an LJ Scott, people have always, I mean, fans have always complained about Scott being a very talented running back, but can't, you know, control the ball or hold the ball at least, but I, I don't think it's too much of a concern. I think if they have another two or three fumbles, it you know, everyone will be like, hey, like, what's going on here? But at the end of the day, I think we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. Because it is only two games. And I know there's been a lot of fumbles. But, I mean, if they're kind of a clean slate the rest of the way through, I, I don't think it's too big of a concern to be kind of, like, raising your pitchforks about. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, Lewerke's fumble, that's just that's just bad luck. I mean, he obviously probably could have held on to it a little bit better. But yeah. it's that's just a brutal that's just a brutal call yeah. on it all around. And then true freshman that's you get, I'm gonna give a true freshman the benefit of the doubt if he's playing his 
making one of those yeah. first two games. Let me give the benefit of the doubt there. Now, a little more fun question. How many times does Brian Kelly's face turn purple? Honestly, um, I'm gonna be looking for it on the sideline. I think the way I think the way we're set up, I can't really see. Um, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But I think at least three or four times. I, I'm sure your Twitter Twitter mentions <laughs> will tell you when his face gets purple. Yeah, I mean the TV's gonna zoom up on him a lot. TV crowd gets lucky with Gut Johnson there on Fox, but I, yeah, I think at least three to four times. Um, if it, I think it'll go as high as six, just based on how the game is going. Who knows? It might be another game blowout. We never know with sports, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how I guess how purple he gets on Saturday for sure. It's got to be at least one. Yeah. Oh no. If it if it doesn't get at least one, just because it's I don't know like a redshirt freshman fumbled or something, then I'll be very surprised at least. So yesterday in his press conference, Mark D'Antonio said that this might be his last time coaching against Notre Dame. They're not on the schedule until 2026. Obviously, bowl games aside, how long do you think he goes? Do you think this is actually is his last Notre Dame game? What do, what do you what do you think there? More long-term, big-picture things, but... I mean, I think D'Antonio said in himself best yesterday in the sense that by 2026, he's going to be 70. So that's a long time to be coaching football. I mean, I don't yeah. know. How, I mean, he's already been here. This is his 11th season, and I think that's somewhere in the top five of just... Just um, of teams in college football of just having the same coach for a lot of years. That's a long time, especially in this day and age. College football is kind of like this instant gratification thing. That Tony said it himself, especially with Brian Kelly. When he was asked about uh, Brian Kelly's hot seat and all that, it's it is very um, instant gratification in the sense that fans well, are always. What have you done for me lately? Yeah, but I mean, next year, I mean that'll be five years removed from the 2013 Rose Bowl season. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to exclude 2014 and 2015, both great years in their own rights. But it is, it is a lot of just, what have you done for me lately? I mean, like you said, fans are always looking for the next big thing, especially in football, because football, especially college football, um, if you get two losses, then you're probably out of the college football playoff picture. I mean, right. you look at it last year, maybe Penn State should have been in over Ohio State, but at the end of the day, they had two losses to Penn and Michigan. And that kind of really bogged down their resume. Each and every game counts so much. And for a blue blood like Notre Dame, it's kind of very hard, you know, um, I just want to know that I don't think that D'Antonio will be yeah, fired. Yeah, I think he's, no, it's more of a retirement issue with him because yeah. I don't—he's not—he's not a Joe Paterno type guy where yeah. he's going to be coaching until he's eighty-nine. Yeah, but I, I would just see him more as retiring early, especially because he's had health issues and just—I yeah, sure. I, I, that's more of a retirement than opposed to him being yeah. fired. I don't think he's in any position to ever be let go like that. Yeah, I think I mean if you have two more three nine seasons, I think you'll be like okay, like let's kind of let's 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 see where the future holds us. But I think. Barring any major catastrophe, um, he'll be here for at least I want to say five more years. I mean, if he's if he's here for twenty years, twenty plus years with MSU, I'll be very surprised just because it is it is a very strenuous job. I mean, I feel like people don't really realize how much input or how much preparation there is just for a single game. I mean, you're looking at so many ideas, you're looking at so many plays every game, so it is a stressful job. I think D'Antoni will be here at least till twenty twenty. I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure. That's, I'd say that's pretty safe. Yeah, I think 2020 is pretty safe. Once we get to like 2022, 2023, I think we're kind of looking at who's going to take over for Antonio. Is it going to be Narduzzi? Are going to con- is Narduzzi even still going to be a pit? So there's a lot of questions. It's his own little bag of worms. But I think, for, at least for now, Spartan fans can expect Antonio to be here for at least another two, three years. I would assume that'd be some sort of relief to Spartan fans, at least. Um, yeah. So now let's bring it back in on this game. You have any final comments you want to make? Anything you've noticed? about this game that you want to talk about? Um, I guess I'll just go into my prediction. I have, I believe, a um, a 31-28 to 28 win Ooh, close one. for MSU. So I think 
Surprisingly, um, I mean, a couple weeks ago against Western, I thought that was going to be a close game. And that was, MSU kind of comfortably won there. But I think Notre Dame, at the end of the day, they struggled just like MSU. But they always recruit well. They always have talent. I mean, looking at their recruiting classes, it's, it's just filled with solid four stars or occasional five star. This is a talented team. And I think with a new mindset, with kind of a cultural shift going on there, I think they're going to they're gonna bring a good game, but I think a night game at home at Sporting Stadium under the new bright lights, I think that'll kind of put MSU over the top in a very close game. Now, 31-28, that means a field goal. We posted <laughs> a story earlier early this week about Matt Coughlin not having attempted a field goal kick as he's a true freshman, I believe, retro freshman? He's a retro freshman. freshman, retro freshman. So. Still, Still, though, freshman. never attempted a field goal in-game. Pretty big field goal to make. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a 28, 28, 10 seconds left, 45-yard field goal, go kick a go kick a game-winner freshman. That'd be a little rattling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it would be. Uh, I mean, we've seen crazier things in this rivalry, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. Little Giants, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, you know, I think he, I mean, obviously I'm saying he, he makes it just because, I mean, that is his job. I feel like kicking um, is one thing where people really underestimate how just how... How strenuous it is, how pressure it is. I mean, you got 75,000 fans plus millions more at home looking at you kick a field goal. And as a redshirt freshman, that'll be a little rattling, but I think Hoffman Holland will be fine. Um, hopefully for MSU, the offense kind of puts them in the position where he can, maybe it's a chip shot like 25 yards. Hopefully it's not 45 yards for the win right at the end for Coughlin's sake, but we'll see if he can nail it. I think that would be very good. But that is another game where MSU is kind of transitioning. I mean, Jake Harbarger is a great punter. He is. I mean, he. Uh, but I mean, with Geiger gone, he's been kind of held to held the reins there for four years. But I think Hawkins will be fine. Um, I'm not. I'm personally not too worried about it, just because kickers do what they do in the sense that they just kick on the pressure situation. So, Suichi, thank you for coming on. Give the thank listeners you. your Twitter handle. Let's get you more. <laughs> some, let's get you some more followers. It is at Suichi Torada twenty six. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Again, Suichi, next week we'll be back with some more State News Podcasts. We'll have our other beat reporter, Colton Wood, on. He could not make it this week due to car troubles, to say the least. <laughs> um, <laughs> if yeah. you have not heard it yet, me and State News General Assignment reporter John LeBlanc recorded a podcast yesterday about the MSU soccer season. They're having a great year as they're at number six in the country for the second straight week, and they've got a big-time matchup against Maryland, number three in the country on Friday. At the Martin Stadium. That's a home game. Yeah, under the lights. So go back, check that out. It's on iTunes, it's on SoundCloud, and as always, check out statenews.com. Sir. I'm going to do shameless, shameless plugs until the day <laughs> I die. Thank you very much for listening. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Catch you it. next time.